Hey, welcome to the Learning Little Lessons podcast. Today we have a special episode of recording from our Sister Share 2020 held in October. And the first speaker for the event was Larissa Mayball, and she spoke on the first believer, seeds of hope from a fatal fruit. Enjoy it. Good morning. As I look back at everything that has changed since we first planned a slightly different version of this day last winter, it's a pretty clear reminder of why the theme today is holding on to hope. A pandemic completely interrupted our normal. Racial tensions and civil unrest, the most contentious election that I can remember, and tragedies in our church family. We've lost some really special people in the last seven months. We have loved ones who are nearing death's door right now. Since March, I personally have lost two grandparents, an uncle, cousin, and even our typical rites of grief have been changed drastically or stripped away entirely. Hope seems a bit elusive at times, doesn't it? Here's the uncomfortable thing though about hope. You only get to it through suffering. Romans 5, three through five tells us that the glory tribulation, because tribulation produces patience, and patience experience, and experience is what leads us to hope. And what's the purpose, the end result of that hope? Hope makes us unashamed. The love of God has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Put simply, there's no need for hope when everything is perfect. But I don't have to tell any of you that we lost perfection a long time ago. Every single person here is dealing with something difficult, whether it's broken relationships, death and disease, or simply the problems that come from living with a sin nature in a fallen world. You're going to hear some hard stories today, but you're also going to hear of the faithfulness of God through the impossibly hard. And with our Bible lesson this morning, I want to start at the very beginning, the start of all the suffering, but also the redemption, the beginning of hope. If you have your Bibles and want to follow along, we're going to be going through uh, Genesis 2 and 3. So in Genesis 2, 7, God created man from the dust and breathed into his nostrils to create life. The Hebrew word is one that you're going to recognize. Adam. Adam means man. God set him in a beautiful garden with a specific task, caring for the garden and keeping it. He also gave Adam the task of naming and caring for the animals. Adam gave names to every creature, the livestock, the birds of the heavens, the beasts of the field. One interesting note is that God created every beast and bird from the ground also. They were made from the same substance as Adam. The difference was that God had breathed his own breath into the man. And God brought each creature to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. There was just one rule in this garden paradise. In verse 16, God tells Adam, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in that day that you eat of it, you will surely die. God had given Adam everything that he could possibly want, except for one thing. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. 
So God caused Adam to fall into a deep sleep. He took one of his ribs and he fashioned a most specially made creature from it. God brought her to Adam who replied, this at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. In Hebrew, the word for woman is Isha. That was her name. Notice that this is Adam doing the job coming her. Therefore, a man shall become one flesh, and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. How many of you long for that type of connection? Complete and total openness before another human being who was created expressly for you. Understanding and intimacy that no one else can intrude upon. 100% acceptance of all of you. Because that's what they had originally. There was no disappointment or misunderstanding between the genders. Isha was not created to be less than Adam. She was part of him. She'd been created differently. The first creature who was not made from dust, but rather from another being. Many of us have heard the term help meet from the KJV. This is actually a noun, help, and an adjective, meet, that together mean perfect helper, or the helper who is fit for or who completes. Lest you think that that term help is a lesser term or a subordinate one that denotes Adam as being in charge, let me tell you some other ways that it was used in scripture. It's used over and over in the Psalms to describe God. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. Same word in Hebrew. My help cometh from the Lord, which is heaven and earth. Our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. This is no secondary servant-like creature that God has created for the man. This is someone tailor-made to fulfill every need of companionship that he had. Adam was no longer lonely, and he delighted in his new wife. Everything about her was perfect and necessary and complemented everything about him. She completed him. She represented different facets of God who had created both the man and the woman in his image. In Genesis 1, God says it this way. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God created him, male and female created he them. And for a time, things were beautiful. They lived in harmony and peace and incredible loveliness. But there was an approach. He has not changed much in the millennia since. Satan is not creative. He can only take things that God has created and twist or pervert them. He has very few tricks at his disposal, but he is a master at the ones he has. He said to Isha, did God in the garden? He immediately attacks with something that he knows is not true. But look at how unreasonable he has just made God seem. God doesn't want you to like anything. God is no fun. The woman knew God, though. She had been walking with him daily, and she answered with her version of truth. We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but we can't eat from the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden. In fact, we can't even touch it or we will die. If you look at what God had originally said, there is no mention of humans not being allowed to touch the tree. God had simply said, don't eat from it. Sometimes our desire to avoid sin causes us to add man-made rules that actually harm us and harm those around us. Her fear and her religion had become about the tree itself 
rather than about the relationship with the God who had made the rules in the first place. When we add to what God has said, we are in violation of his word and we are in danger because we can't back up our claims. And Satan had a way in. The serpent said to Isha, you will not surely die for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Sisters, this is still Satan's most masterful trick against women. Maybe you know how to combat the direct lies and maybe you know your Bible well enough not to add to it. But nearly all of us fall into the trap that Eve fell into right here. You are not enough. However God made you, it isn't good enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not good enough at school, job, at mothering, at being a wife. Your house and your clothing and your landscaping aren't stylish enough. You don't know enough about the Bible. You're not kind, hardworking enough, confident enough. You are not enough. This is a lie from the pit of hell. God made each of us in just the way he intended. And when we turn our life to Jesus, we are complete. We will always be enough in him. And Satan's biggest lie was this. You will become like God. Isha was already like God. She had been created in his image. Eating the fruit and gaining the knowledge of evil was going to make her less like God. Because God can have no heart with evil. But Satan had planted the seeds carefully. Unreasonable. And you are not enough as you are. And she fell for it. Lined food. And it was a delight to the eyes. And that the tree was desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her. And he ate. The doom of the world ran sticky through their fingers as fruit juice dripped. And shame came with it. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made the loin cloth. Hiding and pain and separation had entered the world. Adam and Isha had been completely open, completely themselves with no false pretenses and no facades. Now they sought to hide themselves from each other and true openness was gone. This was the beginning of the damage between the relationship between damage of the relationships between the genders. The mistrust, the us versus them mentality, the women are from Venus and men are from Mars viewpoints. Before this moment, the differences had been perfectly complementary, but now they began to form battle lines. Even worse, they tried to hide from the face of God. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? God had been right when he had said that they would surely die. Adam and Isha were both physical and spiritual creatures. And although their bodies were still alive, spiritual death had occurred. This was the first time that there was separation between God and man. And the blame game began. Adam blamed God and Isha. The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit from the tree and I ate. God, your fault. If you hadn't given me this woman, I would have listened to you. You're the one who said 
temptation into my life in the form of someone perfectly tailored to make me listen to her. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman replied, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Again, no acceptance of responsibility, no repentance yet. It was the serpent's fault, not mine for listening to him. And God took action. Because of Satan, creation was changed. The serpent that he had indwelled was forever changed to crawl upon his belly. Humankind would forever be terrified of snakes. Satan would forever be on the attack. But in this curse, God made one hope-filled promise. He declared war between Satan and the woman. And he said that one day, an offspring of Esau would crush the head of Satan, obliterate his power forever. It would be without cost. Satan would bruise the heel, the heel of this child, but the child would win. A bruised heel is a small price to pay, indeed, alongside a crushed head. To Esau, God said that childbearing would become incredibly painful. And for the rest of her days, she would be continually after the approval of the man who would rule over her. This was no longer an equal partnership. The blame game had caused a forever kind of damage. To the man, he pronounced a curse through work. Humans had been created to work with a purpose in mind, and until this time it had been a pleasure and a blessing. Now the ground was cursed, and thorns and thistles were going to make care for the earth while filled with continual pain, and sorrow and sweat and unending thankless effort until the man would again that had caused him to struggle for his entire life. Everything was nothing worked as it should be longer. Perfection had been destroyed. And if we skip one little verse to verse 21, we see that blood was shed in payment of sin for the first time ever. God killed animals, the precious companions that Adam had named and loved and cared for in order to cover the nakedness of these sinners. But the story turns forever in verse 20. The man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Sisters, the first time I noticed this strange little verse stuck smack dab in the center of this painful curse, I was momentarily shocked. What? Verse 19 is the curse upon the man. Verse 21 is the shedding of blood. And verse 20 is Adam naming his wife. Moses forgotten to write this verse earlier, this part of the story when Adam first met the woman and he just stuck it in here. A quick search of my Bible revealed that no, Adam had already named her back in chapter two, verse 23. She was named after him, Isha, woman, part of man. As I researched and pondered this, I realized something. In biblical culture, names are chosen for their meaning, and there are numerous places where people are renamed to denote a change in their relationship with God. Abram meant father, or even father of a small town, but he became Abraham, father of a multitude, when God made a promise that he would be. Sarai meant princess, but she became my princess, when God claimed her as the mother of the line from which Jesus would descend. Jacob, supplanter, or one who takes over. But he became Israel, one who ruled as God when he refused to stop wrestling for truth. Saul meant to grasp or to desire, but he became Paul, which means to cease or to become less, when a man who sought after religious power met the Jesus who changed him forever. And here, Isha, out of man, 
becomes Eve, the mother of all living. As a female, she be the physical ancestor of any children who would be born. The only death that they'd experienced at this point was spiritual death. I believe that the life Adam refers to here is spiritual life. Eve was the first believer in the promise of a Messiah who would restore. She had been the reason that everything went wrong, but now she was the first to place her faith in a God who would make all things right. She encouraged Adam to believe too, and using the job that he had been given, he renamed her Eve to denote her new status as a spiritual mother of every person who would believe in the promise, including him. And just like that, her legacy is changed from sorrow to one of great hope. Isha, created from man, becomes Eve, who leads all of mankind toward a saving faith. And isn't that just how God works? At our darkest moments, when all seems lost and overwhelming and completely incomprehensible, he comes in with redemption. He changes us from the inside out, creating a new life within the old shell. At the very fall of creation, a spark was born, a light of hope through Eve's burgeoning, clinging faith in God's promise. Sisters, let's for a second. Her life didn't somehow miraculously become perfect again with that redemption. Everything was still hard. In the next few verses, God removes them from their garden paradise. But I want to point out something here because I've heard this referred to far too often as punishment, and it wasn't. The truth is that it was rescue. God says exactly why he does this. Humankind has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. This word know, when God says mankind now knows good and evil, it's the same term to describe intimacy, as in Adam knew his wife and she bore his son. Until this time, the man and the woman had known only good, only God. Now they had gotten into bed with Satan too. And just like God, they had come into intimate contact with evil. God is immortal, and he has been fighting against evil for a very long time. He knew that Adam and Eve weren't perfectly holy like him. He had created them with free will, and they had just used their free will to make the wrong choice when confronted by Satan. God couldn't stand the thought of his beloved children dealing with the horror of evil forever, and so he made sure that they couldn't live forever in this fallen state by eating from the tree of life. He removed access to it, and eventually he relocated it entirely. So Eve left paradise, and she spent the rest of her days waiting through hard work and pain and arguments with her husband and the brokenness of what had been a perfect relationship. And she knew that it was all her fault. There was no one to blame but herself. And she held on with all of her strength every single day to that spark of hope. And she wondered, is it my child that will defeat Satan? Lord, it's coming soon, right? She saw pain in childbirth and she named her firstborn son Cain, which means I have gotten a son from the Lord. It showed her continued belief that this child would be the promised one. And she lived with crushed dreams and so much sorrow when her plan for the future came crashing down around her in one of the most horrific things that any of us can imagine, one of her children killing the other. And yet, because of the hope in her heart, because God had made her his, because she was a new creature with a new name, she could also live unashamed because God's love had been poured into her heart. I don't have to tell any of you that this life is just hard. 
There are questions that we can't answer and hardship that it feels like we can't overcome. We haven't learned all that much and we still think that we are not enough and we still listen to Satan. Some lyrics to a song that I love say it this way. I can taste the fruit of Eve. I'm aware of sickness, death and disease. The results of her choices are vast. Eve was the first, but she wasn't the last. And if I were honest with myself, had I been standing at that tree, my mouth and my hands would be covered with fruit, things I shouldn't know and things I shouldn't see. All of us have made that same choice over and over and over to put ourselves and our own selfish desires above God's instructions. Let's take just a minute to look back over Isha's life, over Eve's life. She was created in God's image, imbued with characteristics that reflect God. That means that each of us have been as well. When we use our gifts, we are mirroring our creator God to the world. Godly marriage also reflects God because it is the combination of male and female that is necessary to give a more complete view of who God is. Isha was created to be a powerful helper. She was uniquely designed to give support, pleasure, and love to Adam and to receive the same from her husband. As women, we aren't lesser beings. We are the helper perfectly created to make a complete whole from two separate halves. There have been repercussions in our relationships due to the fall, but when we get marriage right, we catch glimpses of how it was supposed to be in the beginning. The consequences of what Isha had done would never again be rivaled in all the subsequent sin of human history. And yet, by believing in God's promise, Isha was able to have her name changed to Eve, thereby pointing the way of hope and faith to all who would follow. Faith is the key to everything. It changes each of us into someone complete and useful for the kingdom, no matter who we are or what we have done. I don't know what you're facing today. In a group this size, I have no doubt that there is heartbreak and sorrow and excruciating circumstance. I know that some of you are wondering, how, God? How are you going to redeem this situation? There are things in our past that have hurt us and things in our present that damage us because this world is broken. We experience sickness and severed relationships and lusts and cravings that are so bad for us, and the death of people that we love. We listen to Satan's insidious lies, and we try to hide ourselves from the God who wants nothing more than to be with us. And yet, he loves us so much that he chose to experience death himself rather than to ever live without us. He made a way and paid the price for our sin with his own blood. He removed the tree of life to heaven so that we can't live forever with the pain of sin. And he calls us to join Eve in belief, to make her our spiritual mother and come alongside her in our pain and struggle. C.S. Lewis said it well. If I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. Sisters, we weren't made for this broken shadow land. And one day, perfection will be restored. When our savior returns and makes all, thing new, all things new, we will see that life-giving tree again. Revelation 22.1 says, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. 
and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. Hold on. Just hold on with everything you have to that promise. God's timeline doesn't always match with ours. Eve didn't see the fulfillment of the promise in her lifetime, but it still happened. Her new name was still true. God's word is always true, and he can be trusted completely. He can fully restore the most desperate circumstances and make the hardest paths into the most beautiful stories. His hope and joy and redemption are all around us if we're only willing to place our trust in him. Thou hast turned for me my mourning into dancing. Thou hast put off my sackcloth and girded me with gladness. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks unto thee forever. Thank you.